Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. party hello you seemed so conniving with that way you said that because i'm so excited about today's episode oh good (laughs) friends last week we celebrated my birthday this week someone's turning 30 yeah i guess which is weird because neither of these really lined up with our birthdays this is before my birthday and yours was after yours. Yeah, well, we don't release on Sundays, so we didn't really have a choice. They'll, they'll sync up. We just have to do this for another four years, and eventually it'll end up on our birthday. <laughs> yeah, very true. But friends, Harmony's turning 30. Happy birthday. Thanks. When we're recording this, it's still a little ways out from my birthday. <laughs> Shh, don't kill kayfabe, babe. Don't it's do like, it. It's like a week and a half. Don't do it. Oh, no, it's done. It's dead. <laughs> it's already it's been dead, done. It's dead and buried. Well, I'm going on 30. <laughs> well, I think that it would be illegal if one of us were turning 30 and we did not do today's movie. 13 going on 30? Yes. I feel like the entire internet, and by entire internet, I mean the very small circle in which I look at the world, would be quite upset with us if we missed this opportunity. <laughs> We're never going to get another chance. No. Because you're already 30. I know. I'm 31 now. I know. I missed it. I'm sorry. That's okay. You see, what I'm really glad about is that we're doing this movie this week because I think it's safe to say that, like, emotionally, I'm feeling like an old person. Mm-hmm. I'm Emotionally, I am, like, the noise a dad makes when you ask him for a favor right after he just sat in his lazy boy. Can you make that noise for me right now? So then he has to get up and have make a dad noise of... Mm. <laughs> Just personifying that noise right now. Yeah. So specifically, at right after he sat down <laughs> and is asked to get right back up, that's that's emotionally where I am right now. So I'm I'm feeling the age. <laughs> I like that. That's your dad noise. Whereas if I would have done that to my dad, the noise would have been like, "I just sat down." That's because you're Italian. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of leg slapping that goes on there. Yeah. Probably why we all have such powerful thighs. Is that a thing? Does your dad have powerful thighs? A lot of Italians are real curvy. We got some powerful thighs. I think maybe it was like an evolutionary adaptation because we slap our thighs so much. Super kick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, today we are doing 13 going on 30 because 
I needed an excuse to say 30, flirty, and thriving 10,000 times. I say it all the time. Mm-hmm. I've been saying since I was like, I don't know, what, 15? I want to be 30, <laughs> flirty, and thriving. <laughs> well, it's perfect. Now is your chance. So friends, we're going to get some magic glitter dust. We're going to get some razzles. And we're going to talk about this movie that I love so very much. So do I. So Harmony, what was your first introduction to 13 going on 30? I haven't the faintest idea. Really? I think I I saw it when it was newer, like when it first became rentable. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I'm wondering maybe if I saw it with my mom. Because usually we would rent stuff from Drug Mart and I would want to get, you know, a horror movie or like a dumb movie she wouldn't want to watch and be like, well, let's get something for both of us to watch, which usually which means was trash. Her. <laughs> yeah. It usually was like, I want to watch Fool's Gold <laughs> or Failure to Launch yeah. or Coyote Ugly. Like, my mom has probably the worst taste in films of anybody I've ever seen. And uh, I think this was one of the ones we got and happened to be a diamond in the rough. Yeah, 13 and going what a rough it was. Yeah, because 13 going on 30, I think, was pitched to people in our parents' generation as like, it's big, but for girls. Whoa. Yeah, basically. And I think, one, I think it's a kind of a lazy comparison. Like, I understand why it exists, but these movies are accomplishing two very different things. No, this one's more like time travel. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, big fan of that. But let's see what our friends at Fandango, our Fandangos, have to say about what's going on in 13 Going on 30. What is going on in 13 <laughs> Going on 30? I'm dying to hear what they have to say. I do want you to know that the thumbnail they chose for the trailer is when Jennifer Garner first wakes up in the body and is wearing that, like, very mid-2000s, like, silky teddy mm-hmm. with the eye mask as like a headband and just making the most terrified face. That's the thumbnail. It's Okay. It's very cute. Slip dresses. They're very chic. <laughs> yeah. A girl who is sick of the social structures of junior high, also it says strictures, I just need to point that out, <laughs> is transformed into a grown-up overnight. In this feel-good fairy tale, teenager Jenna, Krista B. Allen, wants a boyfriend, and when she's unable to find one, she fantasizes about being a well-adjusted adult. Joke's on you. I'm 30. I'm not well-adjusted at all. She's not really that well-adjusted either. Also true. (laughs) Suddenly, her secret desire becomes reality, and she is transformed into a 30-year-old, Jennifer Garner. But adulthood, with its own set of male-female challenges, isn't as easy as it looks. Yeah, they're clearly trying to, like, capture that big energy by pointing out, like, Women and men are different. Whoa. Yeah, the, the, there's also like some choices of words to really zhuzh this story up, like calling it a fairy tale. I mean, I guess that there's magic dust. Mm. But that's like pushing it. Would Big be a fairy tale because no. of like the fortune telling scary man? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I see what they're chasing, but I, uh, I disagree. But 13 going on 30 comes from a magical time all the way back in 2004. Yes, where we are going to be hanging out for a couple films. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, when we did the (laughs) schedule, we didn't realize that we did like four movies from the 2000s in a row. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, well, we're doing a bit of a 2000s uh, aughts nostalgia punch. You're welcome. fun. (laughs) So, Harmony, paint a picture for me and uh, tell me what was going on in 2004. 
you know, usually I like to draw from a few varied sources to kind of give you that little scoop of context. But um, for this film, I decided to just go to one place. Oh, yeah. Where are we going? We're going to the 2014 Choice Awards Wikipedia page. Oh, goodness. Teen Choice Awards. Those are the ones with the surfboards, right? Honestly, I could not tell you. I know it's not the one with blimps. That's Nickelodeon. Or Moon Men. That's MTV. And Popcorn is also MTV. Yeah, it is. They're surfboards. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What a choice. I didn't watch a lot of these things, but I can tell you what, I definitely never watched the Teen Choice Awards. (laughs) But I figured this one would be a really interesting one because 13 Going on 30 was nominated for nine Teen Choice Awards. Hell yeah. I hope it cleaned house. I don't think it did, but I hope that it did. Well, I'll tell you what. There was some stiff competition that came out right at the same time as this film. All right. What are we working with? Well, it was really a banger month for movie releases mm-hmm. when this came out. Uh, for example, The Girl Next Door came out this year. <laughs> Same month. Super tight. Who doesn't love that? Also, so did Hellboy, but that's not really relevant here. But the big <laughs> one was Mean Girls. Oh, yeah. You're fucked. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, 13 going on 30 didn't stand a chance. No. But looking at some of our stuff, we have performers that I want to start with because that's the first thing on the page. Okay. Blink-182 performed Down. Okay. JoJo performed Leave, Get Out. Hell yes. Lenny Kravitz performed Where Are We Running? Okay. And Ashley Simpson performed Pieces of Me. Okay. Um, JoJo is the shining star of that lineup. I said what I said. You know, I, I can't even make anything snappy or funny about that because you're right. Yeah. Can like, anybody. You can, can, you, can you make jokes about stuff if it's so unapologetically correct? Right. No one else on that stage can hit that giant get out note. So mm, she wins. I'm not sure anybody in Blink-182 can hit any notes. That's a very funny joke and also accurate. I have nothing to add. No notes. <laughs> Thank you. So I just want to look at some of the some of the categories that were floating around at the Teen Choice Awards that 13 Going on 30 was nominated for. Mm-hmm. It was nominated in the comedy category alongside 50 First Dates. Okay. American Wedding. Oh. Elf. Okay. Freaky Friday. Oh. Mean Girls. Oh. School of Rock. Oh. And the eventual winner, Shrek 2. No. I don't dislike Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is generally seen as the best one of those films, but if you're going to go ahead and stack this lineup so strong, I, I, it's got to go to Mean Girls or School of Rock. Yeah. I feel like maybe this is an instance where like the ballot was split because we couldn't decide which teen girl movie we liked more. Yeah, kind of. So then they went with Shrek 2. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so it was also nominated in Choice Movie Actor for Comedy. And it's pretty much the same movies for the most part, aside from Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson both getting nominations for Starsky and Hutch. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, actual winner was Adam Sandler in Fifty First Dates. He's not even the funniest part of that movie. Yeah. For movie actress. Because to be fair, Mark Ruffalo, he wasn't going to beat Adam Sandler. No. Oh, I had that absolutely confused. I thought that it was like an open-ended. Why was was I thinking that 2004 was so progressive that we were just putting everyone against each other? No. Just kidding. No, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, 13 going on 30. Jennifer Garner's not beating Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls. No, she's not. I'm sorry. No, not at all. So... It's also in the date movie category, 
alongside, along came Polly. Okay. Chasing Liberty? Okay. I don't know that one. That's fine. Honey. <laughs> sure. Don't Love don't cost a thing. Okay. Win a date with Tad Hamilton? Okay. <laughs> you got served. It's not a date movie. They had to pad out the category. And the eventual winner, the one with date in the title, 51st Dates. Oh, God. Also nominated in the category of sleazebag for Judy Greer, by the way. Oh, okay. So you know what? I was like, when you said sleazebag, I was like, what way are they going to go with this? I hope Judy Greer. But I also don't know if in 2004 we were ready to admit that women can be sleazy. It's a weird category for this, honestly. Okay, what's going on? Because I don't want to read all of these, but I do want to point out that Kirsten Dunst in Mona Lisa Smile. Okay, but I also don't think teens were watching Mona Lisa Smile, but that's neither Mandy Moore in Saved. Correct. But Sleazebag? Is that the right word? Not the right word, but... Andy Serkis in Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. (laughs) Okay. Sarah Silverman in School of Rock. That's just honestly, rude. Honestly, Jack Black is the sleazebag in that movie. Yeah, because here's the thing about Sarah Silverman. Like, in that movie, everybody thinks that she's, like, this awful buzzkill. She's fucking right, but yeah. anyway. And uh, honestly, a very appropriate sleazebag, Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa. I hope he won. He did not. Sean William Scott from American Wedding won. Uh, yeah, he's... Okay, sure. Yeah. Whatever. So... There's a few more minor categories that aren't as interesting to go over, and honestly, I don't think this movie stood a chance against them, where it was nominated for the On-Screen Chemistry, Lip Lock, and Hissy Fit Awards. No. And it didn't win any of those, and it rightfully didn't deserve to win any of those, quite honestly. No. So, yes, 13 going on 30, nominated for nine awards, won none of them. That's actually, like, once you started saying what movies they were against... That's fair. It's it's very I reasonable, honestly. It's like it was a really stacked year for film. Yeah, there's a lot of good, <laughs> especially shit. for stuff in these specific categories. Yeah. Okay, I understand. This this makes sense. Would you like to hear my thirteen going on thirty story? You have a story. I do. Oh, hit me. My mom rented this for me. Okay. When it came out, because my mom went through a phase right after my parents got a new TV and they used to have like a big screen in the basement, but it was one of those like big bulky motherfuckers that weigh like 700 pounds. Yeah. The big ass CRT. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't like the CRT. Like it was a, a square. It didn't have like a huge back. It was like all at the bottom. It was weird, weird TV. It's very strange. Okay. Yeah. But Once we got that new TV, my mom went through this phase where she really just wanted to watch a lot of movies. Okay. So this is also- You and your mom always watch movies together, though, didn't you? I know, but this is like, like it was an event, like specifically going out, renting, making popcorn. Like it wasn't- It was like like movie night now? Yeah, it was like movie night. It wasn't like, oh, hey, this is on. Come sit with me and watch this. It was like, no, this is what we're doing. It's Friday. Like it was very (laughs) Look at our fancy TV. I have to show it off to my own family. Yes. (laughs) I I don't know if it was just like having to convince themselves like, oh my God, we just spent all this money. It's got to be worth it. Yeah. So this is also the same summer that we watched things like- a walk to remember like a lot of you yeah i know like a lot of movies that there was a balance between movies that were 100 percent 
for my mom to watch with my sisters and I. And then there was like horror movies that we then like scared the shit out of the whole family with, which Mm -hmm. was great. Yeah. But we got 13 going on 30 and my sister checked out. <laughs> Did not want to watch this. Okay, she but, was probably a little too young to appreciate. Yeah, she was. She was a little too young. You to would have been. It. Oh no, I would have been thirteen. You would have been fourteen when this came out. Yeah, I would have either. Actually... I would have either been thirteen or I would have just turned fourteen, mm-hmm. depending on the month. Yeah. So this like really resonated with me, and I really wanted to watch this. And I remember being so just obsessed with the idea that it started in the 80s because this is also around the time when we're starting to do things like I love the 80s and I got super into I love the 80s and got super into like 80s culture and music and movies and all of that and 13 going on 30 is very much doing that like 80s nostalgia pull before we started doing it now before it was nonstop because yes. we are still hanging out in the 80s as far as nostalgia yeah we sure fucking are which is weird because Usually nostalgia goes in a cycle of like 20 to 30 years, mm-hmm. and we have now kind of moved past 30 years. But an interesting tidbit that I do want to bring up about uh, nostalgia, the year this came out, this film was also released the year that uh, 1985 was released by Bowling for Soup. Oh, perfect. And originally the SR-71 version, but you know, they both came out the same year. Right. Yeah, that's uh, so that was like a big thing for me, but... I remember watching this movie and having sort of that affinity of just this is who I wanted to be. Because when I was in eighth grade, Mm -hmm. we had to do like an essay that was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said that I wanted to write for magazines. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I do now. Granted, it's about horror. Yes. Did you want to write for Pose or Poise or whatever it's called? No, I wanted to write for Seventeen. Okay. I wanted to write for Seventeen more than anything in the world. I obsessively read Seventeen because it was one of the only teen magazines where, yeah, they had like the beauty tips and the fashion tips or whatever, but then there would also be these really kind of in-depth articles about issues. And that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to write those articles more than anything. So was this that? So was this like the Teen Vogue of that era then? Yes. Because Teen Vogue is like really legit right now? Yes. It was never quite as good as Teen Vogue is now. Well, because... yeah, there just has to be a natural progression before we can get there. Exactly. But no, they would they would do articles about like queer teens or teens whose parents have addiction issues or, you know... Things of that sort. Things the True Life episodes would be based on. Correct. And I really liked the way that they were written. And I wanted to do that. And because I've always wanted to be a writer. That's how it's always been. Mm -hmm. And this is also at an age where I didn't think that I could write movies because I'm a woman and we don't get to do that very often Mm -hmm. because I'm fucking 13. So I don't know any better at that point. Yeah. But working in a magazine made sense because on the first page of the 17, you get the note from the editor-in-chief who was a woman and I was like I could do that this mm-hmm. could be me someday so I got sucked in to 13 going on 30 because it was like oh my gosh that that could be me I could be, she gets to be, work in the magazines because she liked it when she was 13 this is possible like I was obsessed with it mom I need a copy of magazine writing for dummies <laughs> But after watching this movie, I like became obsessed. I started making these collages of, I started making collages from magazines. I was like Like making, yes, I was like making my own layouts. I did all of these things. I obviously didn't know what a zine was because again, 13, 
but it this movie had a really big impact on me in a lot of ways that that really came flooding back upon this watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because really, I never knew any of this. And like, what's weird is we've watched this movie together before. We watched it um, back to back with Juno. We had a Jennifer Garner um, Christmas party. Christmas party, <laughs> which for, was fun for whatever reason. Yeah. That's just what we did. Yeah, but. Watching it again this time, like it just unearthed that memory of like, oh God, I loved this movie. I was obsessed with this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I only got to watch it for that rental period. But that one viewing really, really affected me. Yeah. I love that. Especially yeah. because, I mean, Jennifer Garner's kind of goals. Oh God, yeah. Because she is just like eternal positivity and just seems like the most lovely woman and I adore her. <laughs> so before we dive into jenna the character uh-huh let's talk about jennifer fucking garner um one of the most underrated comedic actresses of the new millennium one thousand percent like she's so funny jennifer garner is so talented that it really upsets me how she's sort of been slept on in my opinion mm-hmm. because i think about her performance in this, which is just so sweet and so endearing, and you just love everything about her. She's in, Her joy in this movie is so infectious. Yes, and I'm not convinced anybody else could sell this role. No, absolutely not. Like in, Because there's something about her that is just so sincere and genuine that it really does feel like a 13-year-old, mm-hmm. like just exploding out. And that's not to say that like she's juvenile or immature. It's just there's an energy. There's a confusion and energy and dreaminess that exists that is very unique to being youthful. Yes, absolutely. And she's just wonderful. And then I'll think about her in like Juno, Mm -hmm. where she's supposed to be this kind of like ball busting character. She's, you know, the, the captain of the no fun club. But then you have those moments of her, like, when she feels the baby kick for the first time. And you just see her face just light up. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, wow, that transition that she makes is so beautiful. And then a movie that um, I introduced you to recently, which we'll cover on the show at some point, Butter. Oh, my God. Butter is way funnier than I thought it was going to be. Where she is, like, <laughs> the worst type of, like, waspy, conservative white lady. Mm-hmm. And she's so good at being so fucking awful yeah butter was one of those movies that feels like a drop dead gorgeous or an election or a christopher guest movie yeah like it's such a specific brand of humor and i loved it but i had to go to bed because i did not sleep well night before so i didn't see the end but she was so much fun because she's awful she's so great like one of my line is like i'm sorry i was born a rich white woman she says i'm sorry that i was born white tall and pretty yes that's what it is and i'm like oh that's it's, exactly who this character is. And she's so good at it. And that's she a, sells it. And ah. that's the thing is like so frequently when we have characters like that, people have that moment of like, mm, they're playing them a little too well. But we already have a track record that Jennifer Garner is awesome. So we know that like that's not what's going on here. She's so awesome. I almost bought tickets to see a Richie Gervais movie. <laughs> because the invention of lying, I mean, I like the concept, but also she's so fucking precious in the trailer that I almost saw that movie just for her. <laughs> yeah, she's so good. And then she also gets to do action movies, depending on how you feel about them. Peppermint? But you think about Peppermint or even Electra, and she can move. Like, not a lot of actors can move in. Electra is such a marvelous camp performance. It really is. I, I quote, liar. 
all the time specifically <laughs> in that tone. But, you know, she she shows that she does have that side to her, which is really interesting. And then as far as just her as an individual, if you are not following Jennifer Garner on Instagram, you are missing out so because precious. she is a delight, just an absolute delight of a human. And she's always commenting on like things from her celebrity friends being like, this is wonderful. You're great. Heart emoji, just like the purest thing. And something that I really respect about her, which I'm trying not to be a conspiracy theorist about it, but I think it does have something to do with it. Jennifer Garner is a massive activist for protecting the children of celebrities from the paparazzi. Yeah. That like she has a whole thing about that and she, you know, tries to get legislation passed to protect kids because her kids are fathered by Ben Affleck. So they are celebrity, celebrity kids. Mm-hmm. And people are weird about it. Like mm-hmm. they stalk her fucking children. It's it's weird. And I love that she's taking a stand and she's like, no, no, no. Like, they did not consent to this. They're minors. Mm-hmm. Go away. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. And part of me does think that maybe her willingness to take down, like, paparazzi in the media, like, does that harm her? Who knows? Because Jennifer Garner's punk as fuck. I love her. I love her so much. She's so great. Bomb the paparazzi industry. <laughs> Fucking for real. Yeah, Jennifer Garner is is a national treasure, and we do not give her enough love. And I think it is all of that together that makes her so perfect for this role. I agree. So let's talk about Jenna. How do you how do you feel about Jenna? Are, are we talking about thirteen Jenna or going on thirty Jenna? I mean, it's the same person. I know, but just in a different. They're distinctly shape. different. Because let's, let's start pr- with thirteen prior, Jenna. Prior to where thirteen year old Jenna steps in as thirty year old Jenna, that Jenna that we don't see is a bad person all right let's talk about that jenna oh i think this gets used probably too much honestly when it comes to like any kind of strict businesswoman but she's very um devil wears prada Mm -hmm. but is in less control and more backstabbing yeah so she's she's almost like complete selfish chaos yeah jenna rink before we get to essentially off-camera jenna yes off-camera jenna rink is the woman that we see in Hallmark Christmas movies who has left her hometown and turned into this mean, abrasive business lady who only cares about her career and doesn't call her parents. But is even more evil. Yes, but like because it's not a Hallmark movie. Uh So we're allowed to make her terrible. We got to be meaner because we're not on TV. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's she's got this boyfriend that she clearly doesn't care about. She's partying all the time. She's trying to fuck over her magazine she works at. Mm. She's sleeping with the husband of one of her coworkers. At least one. At least one. Yeah, she's not calling her parents. She, you know, kind of grew up and became an asshole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the thing is, 13-year-old Jenna wants that. Mm-hmm. And that's some honesty you don't see out of a lot of teen characters where she has a friend named Maddie and little baby chubby boy Maddie with his Casio keyboard and his razzles and his appreciation for the talking heads is one of the most goodest of good boys I've He's ever seen in a movie. so sweet. He is the perfect, like, childhood best friend character he's He's great he's a beautiful little butterball who is exactly who i was in school (laughs) (laughs) and i love him so much just a chubby soft boy yeah with good taste with with good intentions too yeah because 
he wants to just be like, hey, I made you a dream house. And I, here, here's you in the tub reading your favorite magazine. And here's that douchebag Rick Springfield. And here's me telling him to keep his hands to himself because Rick Springfield wants to steal Jesse's girl. Yeah, he's a creep. <laughs> yeah. And Maddie is just so nice. And he wants her to have a nice birthday. It's like, I, I wrote you a song. And I'm going to play it. And it's not pathetic because they're like neighbors and they've been friends forever. And mm-hmm. Jenna says... Ew, no, you're weird. I want to be a six chick because they're cool and popular and I want to have boobs, but I don't. Are you wearing a bra? Go away! Oh, honey, what's wrong? Self-image. Jenna, it's going to be all right. It is not, Mom! Look at me. This is not okay. This is fatal. (laughs) It's not fatal, honey. It's realistic. I hate my life. Just because you don't look like these girls in Poise magazine doesn't mean that you're not beautiful in your own way. I don't want to be beautiful in my own way. I want to look like these people. Well, those aren't people, honey. Those are models. And that's a really important thing that we, I think, are afraid to talk about when analyzing childhood movies, especially, Mm -hmm. is a lot of times the things that we want are not things that we actually want. They're things we think we're supposed to want. Well, yeah, I think what she wants is she wants to have, you know, she she wants to seem cool. She wants to be popular. She wants to have nice clothes and her, a nice body and whatever it is else that she wants. And to do that, she thinks she has to be a bad person because the only model she has to go off of, of what this is like in her school are the mean clicky girls. Mm-hmm. The, the, for lack of a better term, they're the plastics. Yes. But the 80s. Yes. So yeah, the six chicks are not very nice girls, but they rule the school because if there's one thing we've learned with any dictator in history, mm-hmm. one of the most powerful things you can rule with is fear. Yep. So these girls are mean and nasty, and if you're afraid of them, then that gives them power. And boy, do they have power. Yeah, and if I had to compare these characters and their dynamics, it almost feels like a a, a Bob's Burgers, but if mm-hmm. Tina didn't have a sense of identity. Yeah, that's yeah, no that's a really really good point and it's just they're all Tammy. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Side pony and all. <laughs> yeah, with that JoJo Siwa styling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. JoJo Siwa, like the, the future of the six chicks. If they were nice, they would be JoJo. Because JoJo's nice JoJo is the fucking coolest. I know. JoJo Siwa, she has Jennifer Garner energy. Just like, protect her at all costs. She's pure. I love her. I, I've become such a mark for this like 18-year-old who I think is the fucking raddest person ever. <laughs> yeah. I love JoJo. She's great. Oh, my God. <laughs> but when when thinking about Jenna as a 13-year-old, too, I like that we get to see both the the true Jenna, and then also this sort of shallow, I'm a teenager, I'm full of hormones, I'm trying to figure myself out, because when Maddie gives her the house, she's so appreciative. She's mm-hmm. like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And it isn't until Tom Tom uh, tells her that's fucking lame that she's like, oh, yeah, you're right, that is lame. And that is in the closet. That is the most like 13-year-old thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about Pen15 mm-hmm. and how they play with the Sylvanians. Yes. And, like, that's their thing. And then it isn't until someone else is like, that's lame, that then suddenly they're like, I don't like it anymore. Because when you're that young, you're so vulnerable. And 
that stuff hurts and it has a big impact. And because we're 13 and don't know how to regulate our emotions yet, mm-hmm. our immediate response is like, yeah, I hate it. And then throw it. This is gay. <laughs> exactly. This is gay. I hate this. Ah, I don't know what to do with anything I'm feeling right now. So I just need to make it explode. Yeah. I, it's who you are at school versus who you are behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And when you start having things like birthday parties, those worlds mix. Mm-hmm. Like the moment when the six chicks even show up at the door, you get the moment of the dad going to open it. And she's like, you said you were going to go upstairs because for whatever. Dad, re- don't embarrass me. Yeah, because for whatever reason, when we're like early teens and preteens, we go through these phases where we need to pretend our parents don't exist. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're embarrassing me. my house, not my parents' house. Drop me off a block away from school. I can't let people know I have a dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? But speaking of her birthday, can we just talk about how sad it is that she only invited like the six chicks and the people they brought and Maddie. Yes, it is really heartbreaking because that's when you have the realization of I invited the people that I want to be at my party because I'm trying to impress them. But then also inviting the only friend I have mm-hmm. who is my next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. And that does break my heart. I guess it's better than like when parents say, you have to invite everyone in your class. That's the worst. Oh, no, that's absolutely awful. But I was kind of that kid where it's like, hey, we're going to split up into pairs to work on this project or whatever. So, you know, find a whatever. And I'd be like, I don't I don't want to I don't want to I want to work by myself just because I didn't want to run the risk of no one wanting to be my partner. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. That's very much what's going on here. And the fact that They only show up to her party in the first place because they want something from her. Yeah. Do our essay for us or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is some real mean girl shit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And ditch her in the closet and then take the work she did and then we're going to leave. And then not not even that. They know full well that Maddie has a crush on her. Mm -hmm. So then when she's in the closet waiting for Chris Grandy, who grows up to be Jim Gaffigan, which... I know it's a tired trope, but I love like the hot boy in high school grows up and is kind of a doofy looking dude. I love that trope. I also love that it's Jim Gaffigan because I kind of feel bad for actors where you see them and it's like, hey, did, how'd you get this job? Because I look like this. <laughs> and Jim Gaffigan's whole shtick is like, yeah, I'm a schluppy dude and I do awkward schluppy <laughs> things. And so it, it, I don't feel as bad because that's his shtick. Right. He's he's leaning into kind of his gimmick, which is yeah. fine. Yes. But yeah, so she's waiting in the closet and then because Tom Tom's a huge bitch. And here's the thing. 13-year-old girls are can be huge bitches. Oh, they are the most evil creatures. mm um, if they were given more power, then the world would be done. Oh my they God. are the most like sociopathic, cruel creatures that we've ever produced as a species. I don't know what it is about our brains because I fully admit I was a monster to the people I did not like. Uh-huh. And I was a monster, not in the sense that like, oh, I'm going to publicly humiliate you or like, oh, I'm going to yell at you. I did awful things like I'm going to catfish you on MySpace and make you fall in love and then I'm going to break your heart. Like I was an awful human being. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, I look back at it and I'm like, why did I do that? I have no idea. None whatsoever. Just hormones make you crazy. You could probably dissect it of like, I needed to have power or I had a lot of misplaced aggression or this person stared at me funny one time and I went, fuck you. Right. Like there's plenty of reasons for it, but it's just all of this unchecked emotion and 
hormones and, and teenage angst and fear and confusion and everything yeah, all bottled up so in a tiny little body. Yeah, there's so much going on. I, I meant more so specifically like why that was my course of action oh, and yeah. not like whatever. Your modus operandum for being a monster. <laughs> yeah, like what was, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Who knows? But what like hurts about that is we see Maddie who is just like this wonderful human being. He's lovely. He's so lovely. But he's not popular, and he, he's kind of chubby, so He of dances course. like no one is watching to burning down the house when everyone is watching. <laughs> right. I wish I had that confidence. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and the thing is, though, they, they're just like, ew, what is this music? And I'm like, the Talking Heads were like a really successful MTV band. Like, their videos were very popular. They're arguably the most enduring band of the 80s. Yeah. I mean, David Byrne just made like a music movie for Netflix last year. And it was one of the most critically acclaimed films of the year. Yeah. They're like, still, they're kind of a big they're deal. They're still kicking it. And I get it. Like, they're, that it's like artsy, cool 80s music yeah. and not Madonna or whatever she would have been listening to. But still. Yeah, I understand. But the fact that, like, she knows that he has a crush, and then as they're leaving, and is like, oh, she's in the closet waiting for you. Mean. Evil. Mm -hmm. Like, because now you're, you're emotionally manipulating somebody. Yeah. Like, that's rude, and that's awful, and you're setting up for, like, this awful situation because, as we discussed, 13-year-olds don't know how to respond to things accordingly. So when she has the realization that it is Maddie, she screams at him and kicks him out and basically does, like, the, you're embarrassing me, I hate you, Jenna, please, just come out. I hate you. I hate me. I hate everybody. Jenna, what are you talking about? I want to be 30. Just let me play you this song, okay? It'll make you feel better. I want to be 30. 30 and flirty and thriving. And then we find out in the future that she apparently beat him over the head with the dollhouse. Right, which is like so intense and just further proves we that's what we do when we're 13 where like john mulaney has a joke and i guess trigger warning for this joke i guess but he has a joke about his brother where it's like when you're 12 years old it's nobody look at me or i'm going to kill myself mm -hmm. and it's just that like very extreme emotional anger because you don't know what to do and that's mm -hmm. what's happening is she's just like ah so when you find out that she beats maddie over the head with the dollhouse it's like yeah, she's really angry about what just happened, but doesn't know how to identify what she's actually angry about. So she's lashing out at Maddie because he's there. That's where she she got she got her wish mm -hmm. for everything she wants, like a cursed monkey's paw, mm -hmm. and it turned into a horrible person, and she lost everything she cherished. Mm -hmm. So now we're an adult. We're thirty, flirty, and thriving. Yeah. Let's talk about thriving is questionable. Let's talk about on screen. Adult Jenna. So now, you know, Jenna, but with the brain of a 13-year-old. She's adorable. I love her so much. She's so fucking cute. There's an article that I read in Elle magazine, well, Elle online, by R. Eric Thomas. And I am not 1,000% sure. I'm pretty sure we've referenced his work before on this show. <laughs> really? So, like, shout out R. Eric Thomas. Big fan. But he rewatched the movie in quarantine and said that his only real issue with the movie is that she dives into understanding the world around her like way too quickly, especially for somebody who's coming from the 80s. She doesn't like, have this Encino Man future shock. Right, where it's like, yeah, she freaks out a little bit about her cell phone, but so much changed because like how quickly technology moved from like the mid-90s to the mid-2000s. Oh, this would have been the 80s. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. But like oh, that yeah. technology shift happened then. Yeah. So somebody coming from the 80s and then getting dropped into like 2004. Uh, yeah, there would have been some future shock of uh, cell phones and the Internet and I, I, TRL. I, so many things are happening. <laughs> so many things are happening. And especially that she grew up in New Jersey and then wakes up in New York City. Like that's also a hell of a jump, too. Mm-hmm. So that's really his only gripe is he's like, "Mm, she figured out how to use email a little too fast. You know, that's true. (laughs) But she also had a lovely, very nervous assistant helper. And she had presumably various For Dummies books to help. Yes, that's very true. Love the For Dummies series. Shout out to y'all. Great product placement in this movie. I love the For Dummies books because you see them as a trope in films, particularly around this time. And they were so specific with all of their releases that I'm never like, I'm never fully confident if it's a real book or a prop they made for the movie and just use the brand. (laughs) That's a really good point. But when we get to Jenna as an adult, what I love is that because we didn't get to see the aftermath of that birthday party of, Mm -hmm. you know, her throwing the the house. Mm Mm-hmm. We're still getting Jenna in kind of her purest form. Mm-hmm. Like she hasn't gone full aggression yet. There's a naked man in my apartment. Yes. And there's this just this very innocent sense of wonder about the world because she's both horrified but also really fascinated by it, which I think is a very teenage approach to things. Mm-hmm. I don't I, know about you. Honestly, I think that the closest comparison I would make to how she functions in this movie of just being like, I woke up and I'm in New York now would be the movie Enchanted. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Very similar energies. Yeah. So she is very, uh, very whimsical, almost like with the, I can do anything of throwing a hat in the air and it freeze framing like that. That's where she is in between her panic. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, she finds out like, Oh, 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 I have been sleeping around with various men and I am best friends with my person that I wanted to be best friends with, but it turns out she's really mean and I'm even worse and I'm sabotaging my favorite magazine from when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I'm a bad person. And I think that is a really important theme in this movie is this whole idea of coming to terms with who you really are. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I well, think you need to take a step back, and yeah. I don't think that she was capable of doing that before you know her thirteen-year-old brain planted itself in there. Absolutely, because what we're seeing is like thirteen-year-old Jenna sees herself as the Jenna who got the magical house from Maddie, and has a friend, and eats razzles, and has all these big dreams and aspirations. That's who she... Life is simple. Yes, that's who she thinks she is. She doesn't think of herself as, I yelled at my friend at my birthday party. I abandoned my friend at my birthday party in favor of people who were just trying to fuck me over. Mm -hmm. Like that realization hasn't happened for her yet. So it is this really difficult shock, not only for her to come to terms with like, wow, 30-year-old me sucks, Mm -hmm. but also... 13-year-old me is not on, was not on a great track either. No, but no one ever thinks they're the villain. No, of course not. No one does. No, everyone thinks that they're the hero of their own story. And speaking of villain, we do have someone who is essentially a villain. And we did mention her a little bit when we were doing our retrospective. Mm-hmm. What, what was the category? Sleazeball? 
Judy Greer is also a national treasure that does not get appreciated the way that she should. Correct. Because she's fucking perfect. I agree. And also, whoever was in charge of casting, like little baby Judy Greer. Oh my god, perfect casting. Perfect casting. Same like, thing. They with, look so good. Same together. thing with Krista Allen, though, as like baby Jenna Rink, because Krista Allen is now on TikTok and she does some thirteen going on thirty uh, content every once in a while because kids love it. Also, she grew up to be a babe. Yeah, she's real cute. Yeah. Um, but she like she was thirty year old Jenna for Halloween last year, Which like is it's adorable. so cute because she's like twenty nine now. Yeah. Right? Like she's going on thirty. Yeah fucking wild yeah so it is really really good casting also brie larson's one of the six chicks which is super funny to me too very a funny random tidbit yeah though i do think it's very funny that the uh the kid who plays matt when he's young grew up to look exactly like that guy but older yeah not at all like mark ruffalo (laughs) no whereas like the other two girls like kind of look like jennifer garner and judy greer but like yeah that kid does not look like mark ruffalo no but judy greer in this movie let's talk about her for a bit Oh my god, she's so evil in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah, she is. I love evil sidekicks. Like I think they're great because she is she is different to me than Jenna because I think obviously we don't get to see off-screen Jenna. Mm-hmm. And we do know that according to uh Judy like Lucy is her real name. Mm-hmm. According to Lucy, Jenna is not acting like herself obviously cuz she's being inhabited by a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how that Jenna acts, but we can see Lucy Lucy acts like a bitch, but she knows she's a bitch, and she embraces that she's a bitch, and she's monetized that she's a bitch. The new and improved poise will explore the last frontier. It will go heroin chic one better. It will OD. It will kill. Cause of death? Chicness. The new poise will go farther than any fashion magazine ever before. It will be deadly serious. Fashion suicide. I don't know (laughs) if not 13 Jenna is the same. Mm -hmm. I assume there has to be some self-awareness, right? I mean, at least a little bit. Yeah, which I'm sure she has no remorse. She -hmm. seems to be pretty much like... Uh, the the kind of person who will just step on anyone and then not think about it on the latter success mm-hmm. and yeah like Lucy is is awful she's she is really like a patsy mm-hmm. to an unseen villain who mm-hmm. has done all of the damage before we resumed yeah <laughs> that's a really really good point yeah and the thing is like we see from the very beginning that Lucy aka Tom Tom is awful and relentless Mm -hmm. and she is that perfect character of some people just never grow up no because she is the same person that she was at 13 she has not evolved high school is forever Mm -hmm. that's very much what's going on here Mm -hmm. and i like that we have that contrast because with jenna like we see her being kind and wonderful and sort of getting corrupted Mm -hmm. before this whole magic thing happens whereas lucy's been a jerk from jump street yeah. And I like that we see that because that that is a reality, too, that we don't ever talk about. Like, do you know people from your high school? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I should say, do you know anyone from your life that you've known for a very long time that is the same person now as they were then and that's not a good thing? I'm sure there's plenty of them. I think to an extent that's a lot of people in my hometown. What I read one time that... 
like somewhere between like 70 and 80% of people never move more than 20 miles from their childhood home. Mm-hmm. Like some things just last forever. Mm-hmm. And if you don't actively try to distance yourself from it, either literally or metaphorically, then yeah, why would you change? What mm-hmm. motivates you to grow if you're just surrounded by other people who don't change? Yeah, that's a really, really good point. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're that's what we're getting with Lucy. She did not change. Mm-hmm. And also, why would she? She's found success by acting this oh, way. Oh, she is capitalized mm-hmm. on her awful behavior because this is a dog-eat-dog world as a single white female in the big city. <laughs> very, very good point. So who we haven't talked about yet uh, Mr. in the doghouse, Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. I also don't want this to turn into like an Israel-Palestine conflict thing, but just like Mark Ruffalo, fucking grow a spine. Yeah, we were about to record this a couple days ago, and I think we were going to be like, man, Mark Ruffalo's so charming, though he's kind of lifeless in this movie. And I'm glad we waited, because I'm like, Mark Ruffalo, you're charming in movies. Right. You- <laughs> and I need to, I want to make that very clear. Yeah. God, yeah, it was, what a disappointment. But then again, like anyone who defends Chris Pratt can kind of go fuck themselves. Very true. <laughs> so yeah, Mark Ruffalo in this movie, he's fine. I'm pretty sure that that's not his fault. I think that's the writing's fault. I don't know, though. And because I've been going back and forth about this, like, is it just because it's Mark Ruffalo or is it because of the writing? I think it's Mark Ruffalo. Really? Okay, so... I have thoughts, but I want to hear what you have to say. Mark Ruffalo spends the entire movie kind of just being like, yeah, what do you want, Jenna? We're not really friends anymore, Jenna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a photographer, Jenna. And, He's not quite so sleepy sounding in the movie, but okay. Well, yeah. He He's can... very level. He never really goes up or down at any point in this no, movie. No, not at all. He's consistent. and Not at all. I think that that's the writing because he's he's basically a dude who's just been beaten down by life and is now going through the motions and straight up says, I'm settling. Like, I feel things for you, Jenna, that I didn't think that I could feel anymore, but I'm getting old and I'm getting married and I'm just going to, like, make this bet on this one woman that, honestly, we don't live near each other and we don't seem to get along that well, but, like, whatever, I'm... I'm 30 in the year 2004. That's a very late time to be getting married. But the thing is, though, the material allows the space for him to have an emotional range, and he's choosing not to. And yeah, I understand that you can explain that away as, like, he's been beaten down by life. I I understand that. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, like, even for the moment where his fiance comes home a day early and surprises him on a day that he was looking forward to having dinner with Jenna. Mm -hmm. His reaction isn't like, Oh, Hey, wow. Oh, you're here. Because like that should have shocked you a little bit and like jolted you and said, he's like, Oh, Hey, you're home a day early. And it's like, bro, what are you doing? And then even in the moment of like, you know, I'm feeling things for you that are different. Like that should be a moment where there is a little bit of an emotional change because he's admitting it's different. Mm -hmm. So deliver that different. And he doesn't. And it's like, so infuriating. Like if you were to take out like the emotionally swelling music behind a lot of stuff that's going on with him, Mm -hmm. there would be nothing there. And And I also understand that we're in a world where a lot of these characters are really 
kind of cartoonish and larger than life. Except for him. Except for him. But it's done so in a way that it doesn't feel like, ah, this is the straight man and everything else is zany. It feels out of place because it is that different. But the moment when him and Jenna are talking and she asks him, like, what happened? Like, why aren't we friends? There is no pain in his delivery. Like, he's telling her, like, yeah, you were my best friend in the world and I loved you and you shit on me and you humiliated me and you beat me with the gift I gave you. And he could have been telling me about laundry detergent and it would have had the exact same emotional impact. Like, there is just nothing going on there. And it's frustrating because it's like, you're you're cute. And like, your physical acting is good and your facial acting is good, but your delivery just... Come on, Mark! Jenna, I'm not... I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I I have felt things these past few weeks that I didn't know I could feel anymore. But I have realized in these past few days you can't just turn back time. Why not? I moved on. You moved on. We've gone down different paths for so long. We made choices. I... I chose Wendy. That's her family down there. We care about each other, you know? You know what? You don't always get the dream house, but you get awfully close. Here's my counterpoint. Okay. I have two big things to say. First of all, do you know who Mark Ruffalo reminds me of in this movie? Someone who's taken a lot of Ambien? No. He is the specific brand of unexcitable level that my mom's boyfriend is. Oh. <laughs> tell me I'm tell me I'm wrong on that though. A man who is completely neutral talks about things that he likes but it's just like yeah no i i really like going to see buck cherry in concert they, they put on a good live show they're real fun it's spongebob hi how are you exactly it's though exactly though <laughs> but that's who this person is and here's how i read it jenna smashing that dollhouse over little matt's head didn't just like change who she was as a person it changed him he's no longer the uh dance like no one's watching kind of goofy fun kid he's just like i I, yeah no i put myself out there and i got shat on for it so now i'm not gonna go ahead and show my emotions anymore because i was scarred as a child and i'm a man in the year 2004 and i'm not supposed to have feelings why do you have to go and bring like really good logic to this argument? <laughs> now, granted, I don't know if they got that meta on this. It might just be Mark Ruffalo not being the most uh, charming male romantic lead because I don't know if that's his forte. But that's how I read this character. You just said he was charming. You said Mark Ruffalo's charming in movies, but yes, not as but a not person. As a, but not as a romantic lead. Okay, that's a good point. Yes. I think Mark Ruffalo is very charming in other things. But I don't know if romance is one of those genres he does well. And yet we really wanted him to be a, like a romantic leading man. Yeah, we tried for a little bit. Yeah. Because he, he was approachable. Yeah, that's a good point. He is very approachable. He has kind of like this like sexy everyman. Yeah. Like he's he's the hot guy that works at your office that you're like, I might have a shot with him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mark Ruffalo could be like a teacher or an office worker mm-hmm. or a, he could he could be the manager at a Starbucks. Just be some guy, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So we talked a little bit about it earlier, but I want to talk about kind of the nostalgia of this because there's a lot of 80s pulls because Jenna's 13 in the 80s. Not nostalgia. It's the present for So her. that's just her. That's just what she's interested in. But 13 going on 30 was doing that before it was cool. Oh, yeah. The 80s was at a particular low point. And I think this was a, would have been around the time where we would have started to reflect positively on the 80s. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this would have been 15-ish years since the 80s ended. Mm-hmm. And that's getting close to when the cycle comes back. But the fact that she is, you know, a, an adult and she busts out Thriller at a dance party and everyone's like, fuck yeah, Thriller. At a time when Michael Jackson, like his social stock was the lowest it's arguably ever been. He was in the middle of a legal battle. He wasn't putting out hits anymore. Everyone was making fun of him for being like a noseless monster. So I I have to say that she's not aware of any of that. But the 80s hits really differently in this movie as opposed to other films because the 80s wasn't cool at the time. Mm -hmm. But it's a bunch of people who are now able to sort of purchase back their youth through Mm -hmm. some means because these people are now 30. They've got disposable income. They can reflect back fondly on the things that they liked growing up that have now drifted off into obscurity aside from the people who were there because this is also like sort of pre-internet like – I honestly wonder when she has the uh, sleepover party with a bunch of 13-year-old girls. Yeah, why are their parents approving this? Just some random adult is like, I would like to have all of your children over. Like, it's a cute moment. Don't get me wrong. That sleepover is very, very cute. However, comma, logistically, I have follow-up questions. Why were so many parents cool with Sasha Baron Cohen uh, threatening to put their babies on crucifixes like Jesus in Bruno? That is a great point because we are also dealing with a lot of parents with money. So, yes, go on. Yes, she is in a position of power. If you want to just throw those kids over for a slumber party, maybe it will benefit them. I don't know. You're 1000% correct. Yes. So they're dancing to Pat Benatar and I'm like, this is pre-YouTube. Where do you just access Love is a Battlefield's music video? I don't know. See? And so if you don't have these things at like the touch of a finger like you do now, and they're not really being circulated popularly because they're pretty out of style, it's at a weird juncture of this movie makes it cool because it's topical and relevant for the character, but for the actual time it comes out, it is extremely uncool. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. The one thing I do like with this kind of nostalgia thing goes to the sleepover party though Mm -hmm. i love that she introduces these girls to pet benatar obviously like they know all the words immediately because it's a movie and suspend your disbelief i assume they've listened to it several times on loop right but having somebody older introduce you to something that like really resonates with you and Mm -hmm. like kind of hits you to the core that is such a good feeling and Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, we're getting to this point culturally because I think because of the puritine movement, mm-hmm. as many of us have called it, there's this weird step backwards where we're losing a lot of these mentorship relationships that exist, mm-hmm. like having your best friend's big sister or your babysitter or like whoever, your your teacher, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. People are so hyper fixated on like if you 
are friends with anybody that isn't like the same age as you like that's predatory or whatever and it's like not always like no. maybe this is just me because you know I, I was a competitive baton twirler for my entire life so that meant that when i was seven and taking lessons there were girls that were in their 20s that were still competing. Mm-hmm. And we had to share the same gym and share the same space. And for a lot of them, they were my coaches. They were my my instructors. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, then I took on that role. And then I was doing the same thing for kids that were younger than me. And when you're in that sort of capacity for a very long time, you do develop this like mentorship relationship. Because one of the students that I taught, who you know I a- adored, I'm also the first person that she called when she, like, she got her heart broken mm-hmm. because she didn't want to talk to her mom about it because, the, you know, it's her mom. But she's like, I, I have access to this person who's older who can give me advice and I need that advice. And we've already talked about it on the podcast before about how if somebody has one supportive adult figure in their life that is not their parents, their success in life skyrockets exponentially. Mm-hmm. Because you need to know that you have somebody. And I think that's going away. And I'm very concerned about it. Like, we've gotten in this really weird fear-mongering thing. And I don't know. Rather than run the risk of someone being bad, we just assume everyone is bad. Yes. And I think about one of my favorite people in the universe, Kristen. Uh, If you're listening, Dad, I love you. Hi, Dad. (laughs) So Kristen is now 40 but went to college in her late 30s. So that meant she was in college with a bunch of people who were like 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And when they needed something like, oh my God, I got a parking ticket. What do I do? They didn't want to call their parents. They called Kristen. And sure, there's something weird about her just being like, I gave you my number for a project, but okay, I can help you out, I guess. (laughs) And I, I don't know. Like, I think that you need that. And obviously, there's shitty people in every community, and there's definitely people who have dubious intent. But I think that it's really important, not just for passing on cool music like Pat Benatar, because you didn't really have, like, powerful music necessarily in the pop zeitgeist at the time. Mm -hmm. It it was more like... It was like party music. It was party music. It was a lot of reactionary stuff. Like, we talk about JoJo's thing. Like, that's, that's a fuck you song, not an I'm powerful song. Yeah. And... Even something as simple as that or going deeper and giving like advice based on your own experience, which maybe Jenna shouldn't be giving because she doesn't actually have any more experience than these kids, but they look to her because you want to believe in something. Mm-hmm. That's that's important. That's really important. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. I would not be the person that I am if it were not for those mentorship relationships that I had when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And they were ones that I needed. Like, Mm -hmm. I really needed those people in my life at that time. They're the ones who got me through really hard stuff that I was not willing to talk to, like, my parents about. Mm -hmm. Because as much as you want to have that relationship with your parents, sometimes it's just not there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I don't know. It's also, like, a weirdly specifically queer issue. And that always concerns me as well because there's just so much that our community can learn from those who have been through different times. Mm-hmm. Especially people that are a little bit older than us. Yeah. Because uh, the AIDS crisis. Yeah. If and you lived through that, then your experiences are going to be radically different than us or, God forbid, anybody younger than us. Right. And it, it I just... feels so old. 
it, it just really breaks my heart though when like 14 year olds are like don't talk to them they're old that makes it predatory that's in there's inherently a power dynamic and i'm like calm the fuck down please like i i understand the intention behind this is good but you're doing more damage than you think you are mm-hmm. but all of that aside wow andy circus is sure fun in this movie <laughs> andy circus is fun in this movie <laughs> It's weird to see his face. <laughs> he he's very much if uh if Iron Man was made in the nineties, this is who they would have cast looking like that to play Tony Stark. Oh yeah, he his entire ensemble is very Tony Stark. He, he's a Joel Schumacher to, uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, no, I agree completely. For sure, for <laughs> sure. So you said something during our watch of this movie that I really wanted to bring up in this conversation because cool. it I don't kind of <laughs> it kind of made my head explode. Uh-huh. So in the first scene where Jenna is talking to Becky, her 13-year-old neighbor, uh-huh. she you know, she compliments her shoes or her purse or whatever, and then Becky compliments her dress. And Jenna's response is grabbing her boobs and saying, yeah, because I got these great boobs to fill them out. Uh-huh. And you looked to me and said... That's a trans comment to make. And I said, that is a joke. I and then you that. went, but actually, though, it's like it's like the kombucha one I was like, but. So you said that, and then it, it did open up something for me. We've talked in the show before about how body swap films often get lumped under the trans umbrella, and we do not read those movies as trans because by doing so, you are saying that trans people are just wearing a costume. Mm -hmm. This movie, however, is not somebody changing into a different body. This is somebody growing into who they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your take on the idea of this movie as a trans read. I think that there's a lot of aspects about how this particular instance is is trans. So first of all, there's this idea of uh, transitioning as like a second puberty. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you're like, hey, I'm 13 and I haven't grown my boobs yet. But like now I'm an adult and I have boobs, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's the very, very on the nose aspect of that. But... I think, and this is going to probably sound a little bit more negative, there's almost this midlife crisis for people who transition like a little bit later. Like, you know, my, if, if I were to transition, like people who are like maybe like 30. Okay. As opposed to 13. They're, they're, they're going on 30. But mm-hmm. <laughs> there's certainly an aspect of almost getting to live out something that you never got in your youth. Mm-hmm. Or or when someone like my dad was like, oh, your your mother was was the old ball and chain and wouldn't let me get a motorcycle because they're dangerous. And now I'm 45 and divorced. I'm going to get my motorcycle. (laughs) And for some trans people, that involves like shopping in the junior section, despite the fact that no one above the age of like 20, 21 probably should be shopping in the junior section. And I think it's also important to note that it's not even a matter of aesthetic with shopping in the junior section. No. Like – they make Hello Kitty t-shirts for children and adults. The difference is also fit. And you're absolutely right. I've definitely had some friends who have gotten really, really excited when they transition. And they're like, I just want to find the girliest thing possible. Mm-hmm. So then they go to the junior section of 
Kohl's. And I have to explain to them, like, hey, if you want to dress in that style, you're going to probably have to buy it online in order for it to fit properly. Mm -hmm. Or else you're going to look like an adult squeezing into children's clothing because it just isn't meant to fit at that age. It's also not meant to fit, like, you know, a a, a genetically male, if you want to use terms like that, body. Right. You're you're built differently. You're going to have probably have broader shoulders, a larger rib cage. Like you're not going to squeeze into these clothes that are meant for like 15-year-old girls. Yeah. And that's that's certainly a, an unfortunate aspect that no one ever talks about, but on the positive side, there is this euphoria you have with Jenna waking up in now her, you know, cool adult bod that you don't get with body swap films. Like usually when you swap a body in, you know, you know, a freaky or a freaky Friday or wish upon a star, you know, there's horror. Mm -hmm. And that in of itself is not really a good example of a trans read. Right. For something. And I, I, I don't know. I I think it reads so much better for this film because it's who you want to be. Right. In this instance, this isn't, it's a boy-girl thing where they're either waking up with just complete horror of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. This is so alien and so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Or there's like the fetishization of like, <laughs> I have boobs now. Uh, a Freddie Prince Jr. A Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> yeah. I can look at myself naked. Yeah. Like that doesn't exist. Instead, it is euphoria because it's, wow, look at this body that is mine. Mm-hmm. Look what I get to become. This is incredible. And I think that that is very similar to a lot of the euphoria that you see when people transition and they see what their body now has the capability to become. It's what they've always dreamed of. And there's something really beautiful about that. Absolutely. And uh, I, I'm really glad that me being a smartass is how we got here. <laughs> I am too, because I've really never contextualized a movie like this from that lens, because why would I? I'm a cis person. That's not something that I'm ever going to fully understand. And in all honesty, my own body transition as a cis teen was one of horror and terror <laughs> because it just sort of seems like I woke up one day with gigantic boobs and the entire world wanted to fuck me, whether or not that was appropriate. Sweet bottom. Oh, God, don't call me sweet bottom. <laughs> I understand that sort of horror that Jenna's experiencing yeah. <laughs> is having unwanted attention from men when that you, you are, don't know. That you don't know. Why are you in my house? Right. <laughs> So I completely understand it from that perspective, but that euphoria, I think you've really nailed it, which just makes me a little bit more frustrated whenever there are the people that are like, oh, buddies, what movies are trans movies? No, it's not. Use that big brain energy. It really is the most linear and boring take on gender to think about body swap films where they, you know, swap gender or whatever Mm -hmm. as being a trans read. It's so lazy and uninteresting Mm -hmm. and such a bland way of discussing gender. Like there's certainly interesting aspects to it. Like Freaky handles it marvelously. I think so too. But for the most part, like you get shit like it's a boy girl thing and it's Mm -hmm. the most boring paint-by-numbers, uninteresting way of talking about gender. Yeah, if you would like to hear us talk about a movie that handles this in a terrible way, you can listen to our episode on It's a Boy-Girl Thing. Ugh, what a what a rough pumpkin patch that is. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of going back to the, the heart of this movie, um, there was something in this 
L article that I wanted to read because he rewatched this movie during the pandemic. Yes. And he says, when 13-year-old Jenna surveys her life at the beginning of the movie, it's easy to identify all the things she wants to change. And when she wakes up in an apartment straight out of an issue of poise with her dream job and a signed photo of Madonna on the wall, it seems that everything she envisioned came true. But can we really trust the foresight of our past selves? I've noticed a recent trend of people prefacing social media posts about celebratory events, birthdays, graduations, etc., with the phrase, I never thought I'd be, insert life event in quarantine, but... It's an interesting caveat that acknowledges reality while also inviting the possibility that years ago, some precinct middle schooler sat in a closet and wished to have a birthday party video call while stuck in their dream house. If that strangely specific child was you, congratulations, I guess, and maybe have a different wish for the next time jump. I'm so glad we got married on Zoom. Right. And like, that's really, really interesting. Like with, if I were to say something like, you know, I never imagined that I would get married on Zoom. Well, a fucking course not. That didn't exist when I was a child. Mm-hmm. But we do talk about these big, important life events, usually with that caveat or like, oh, I've always known this or I always wanted to be this mm-hmm. or when I was younger, I wished this. And we put a lot of stock into that. Just the wherewithal, because it feels more validating if there's a precedent for it. Yeah. And I think there's this weird thing, too, where we also romanticize people who do figure that shit out really young. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about, like, the world of wrestling. Like, how many times do we see wrestlers post pictures of themselves when they were kids? And they're holding the title belt. Holding the title belt. Watch the video of Mick Foley jumping off a garage roof. Right. Or like dressing for Halloween or even posing with wrestlers at shows they've gone to. Mm -hmm. And people eat that shit up. They love it. Mm -hmm. Or whenever there's like a film director and it's like a picture of them, you know, holding a camera as a kid or the amount of filmmakers that are like, oh, here's the movie that I made when I was in second grade with my friends. Like you watch home movies and go, man, Brendan Small grew up to be fucking David Cronenberg or something. (laughs) Wow. It's so commendable. Right. We, we do this thing where we put so much stock in like our childhood dreams, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but I think we do that because deep down that's what we want. And I think we all feel dissatisfied if we ourselves are not who like 13-year-old us wanted to be. We, we want the satisfaction of like a nice clean narrative. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. our own lives. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're the main character in all of our own lives. No one mm-hmm. ever thinks they're the villain. We're bringing that back from like 30 <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that because so many people don't have that option, we love it when it happens for other people. And we think it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Like we all want to be... Jenna Rink reading Poise, wanting to work at Poise, and then waking up and surprise, you are working at Poise. Like, that's just what we want. I Oof, went on. My dreams have been made. Yeah. I mean, I, and I went on a rant earlier today on, on Twitter about the idea of talking about survival jobs and how there's this weird thing we do where if you're in a creative field or maybe you want to be like an athlete or a musician or what have you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to admit that they might have a day job or they might have a survival job because 
admitting that you have a survival job is somehow seen as failing. You're not working hard enough for this thing. Follow your dreams no matter what because you're going to be broke either way. Yeah, like, and that sort of stuff is like such a weird, privileged, classist, racist, homophobic, transphobic sort of mentality because it's not taking into account that that's not how the world, like the world is not fair or equitable. No. That's an unrealistic standard that you can set for people and we don't ever want to admit that. Yeah. I think of it as, um, I don't know, like like getting getting jacked at the gym. You could go ahead and try to get jacked in like a month, like you're on The Biggest Loser or some you know, ludicrous thing like that. But that's not how it works. Going to the gym nine hours a day isn't going to actually fix you. It's going to break you. Mm-hmm. This has to be done over like a progressive amount of time. And sometimes that is longer. Maybe you have a loftier goal for what you want. Maybe you have things in the way of getting to what you want. Like that's, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Not everything is the same and it's not easy because mm-hmm. work is, is work. Mm-hmm. You know? No, you're totally right. And going back to this L article, he continues by saying, you know, like, you know, pick a different wish for your jump. He says, and that's what Jenna chooses to do at the end of 13 going on 30. Return to the 1980s. Kiss Maddie. Eventually marry him. There's no mention of poise in the new timeline, which is a bit of a shame. We never find out what Jenna does for work, even though she turned out to be a good magazine editor. You could argue that after growing up and learning to accept the present, adult Jenna might have lost what made 13-year-old Jenna so innovative on the job. But the nostalgic lesson she leaves us with presents her redesign of poise, which is not so much of a redesign as it is a concept for a spread, at least according to the chapter in magazine publishing for dummies I just read. (laughs) Perhaps something we can all take into the future is, I think we all want to feel something that we've forgotten or turned our backs on, because maybe we didn't realize how much we were leaving behind. Jenna says, echoing me waxing wistfully about the lackluster brunch restaurant I suddenly deeply miss. She continues, We need to remember what used to be good. If we don't, we won't recognize it, even if it hits us between the eyes. Yeah. And I I really like that. We have to appreciate what's good, because if we don't, then we're not going to be able to recognize it. And I think that's a really good takeaway for Jenna of, She has this great new world. She has everything that she supposedly thought she wanted, but what? But at what cost? You get blinded by your ambitions, and you lose your connection to you know your family and your best friend and your sense of self. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely an argument and an interpretation to be made that like thirteen going on thirty is just promoting the idea of assimilation and the two point five nuclear family home and living in your hometown. Shouldn't say anywhere that she wants to have kids. Yeah, that's very true. But like there's I understand the argument to be made with that because this ending of her, you know, going back in time, getting, you know, the dream house with Maddie, marrying the guy that she left behind from her hometown is a very like hallmark Christmas movie rom-com ending. Absolutely. But I also think that that is what Jenna has always wanted. Yeah. I, I like I don't think that in this instance we're getting this thing of like a girl sacrifices all of her hopes and dreams and desires for a guy. I don't think that's so what's that she happening. She can marry a guy in a small town and open a bakery. Yeah, I don't I, yeah, I don't think that's what's happening here. I think what's happening here is like 
girl started following what she has always wanted instead of what she thinks she's supposed to want. Mm-hmm. And that I, that's a really cool message. Yeah, absolutely. Even if they get married in a house that is just a wall of a house. Yeah, I, I do love that. I love that I had to rewind that for you because I was like, they just, they come out this front door and there's like no shrubs. There's no sidewalk. It's just, they come out onto lawn. That's clearly just like a wall. <laughs> it's clearly like part of a set that they built of an exterior of a house. Like they didn't <laughs> even try to make it look like an actual house. No, I, I it's... I'm not going to blame them because why would you notice that unless you're me? (laughs) (laughs) Who are these women? Does anyone know? I I don't recognize any of them. I want to see my best friend's big sister and the girls from the soccer team. My next door neighbor. Real women who are smart and pretty and happy to be who they are. These are the women to look up to. Let's put life back into the magazine. And and fun and laughter and silliness. I think we all, I think all of us want to feel something that we've forgotten or turned our backs on. Because maybe we didn't realize how much we were leaving behind. So, Harmony. Yes? The time has come. Hmm. 13 going on 30 is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? I would absolutely love to go to the prom with 13 going on 30. Because this is one of those instances where her spread of high school nostalgia sure sits there and goes, yeah, that looks enticing when you look at it. And then you think like, no, wait, high school actually sucks. (laughs) <laughs> but this makes me feel like I liked going to school and I I wistfully think back to when times were better and simpler. <laughs> As I get older and older. And crankier. Yeah, it's just why I've, I mean, I've always been cranky. Like, that's not <laughs> a new thing. <laughs> At what point does angst translate into crank? When you can vote. Yeah, is that when you become angsty? No, that's when you become cranky. Gotcha. Because you can be an angsty teen. Like, people talk about angsty teens. They're not a lot of angsty, like, senior citizens? No, they're cranky at that point. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't called angsty old men. It was grumpy old men. Exactly. See, you know what's going on here. I I should. I have wisdom because I'm 30 soon. 30. Flirty. And thriving. I'm one of those things. The answer's thriving because I'm not 30 yet. (laughs) Well, friends, that takes us out on 13 going on 30. And we are so glad that you were here to join us for this. Please wish Harmony a happy birthday because she's great. She deserves it. I'm really excited for next week where I actually get my birthday pick. Yeah, yeah, you do. Don't don't sound disappointed. I'm not sounding disappointed. It's a great film. (laughs) You were all in for a lovely time next week, and you're going to have a – you're going to love it. You're going to sit here. You're going to watch this movie. You're going to love it. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. Lots of fun goodies over there. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at this ends at prom. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where can people find you? I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. As always, huge thank you to the Sonderbombs for letting us use title as our theme song. Y'all a fucking rule. And we love you very much. Yeah. Hey, Harmony, so do you have a cool indie band to let the listeners know about? I do. I actually tried to pick something that was, you know, fun and danceable because this movie has a lot of 80s nostalgia. So the person that I want to plug this week is Supernova, and Nova is spelled with a K. Mm-hmm. They are some guitar-driven dance music by a person that I found fairly recently because of a TikTok, uh, <laughs> and apparently they went to med school because they thought they were supposed to go to med school, and then went, oh shit, I hate being in med school. I want to make music. Now I'm an indie musician with like $80,000 of debt. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your dreams, kids. You'll yes. be poor, but you'll oh. be having a good time. Exactly. It's a great moral for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. This has been a delight. I love you very much. I love you. Happy birthday. Thanks. You know, in a couple days. Yeah, I was like, I'm not quite there yet, (laughs) but I appreciate it. And friends, we will see you next time. Don't forget, save that last dance for us. Bye. Bye. shoes. Thanks. I like your dress. It's because I've got these incredible boobs to fill it out. (laughs) This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.